It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and nickyainley.com. It's Talking Twins and More, a multiple birth podcast. I'm Naomi from twinfo.com.au. Normally I'm joined with Nikki from doublebub.com, but unfortunately she's unable to join us today. I am, however, joined by an amazing guest. I'm joined by twin mum, Katie, who's also a sleep consultant at Slumber and Sprout. So we're going to dive into all things newborn sleep, which I know is a really hot topic for everybody. So welcome, Katie. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Now, you're a twin mum yourself. So let us know. How did you talk to us about your journey? How did you come about finding out you were pregnant with twins? Did you have other children first? Give us all the nitty gritty. Yes. yes. So I'll relive my um, experience uh, back then. So the twins now, they're just, they're just approaching two and a half years. Um, we have two other children, two boys. So the twins, they're girls. They were my three and four. Um it was one of those kind of moments where we were deciding and umming and ahhing, you know, do we have a third? Are we content with two? Do we stop? Do we try again? And we went through waves of being in both minds where, you know, there'll be times where we were like, no, we definitely want a third. And there'll be times where we were like, no, we're so happy. You know, let's just call it at that. And then um, along came COVID and we decided that, um, yeah, it would be a good idea to think about, you know, having our third and final bub. Um, and we decided that, yeah, let, let's just, you know, see what happens. And before we knew it, we were pregnant and um, decided that we were pregnant with two. Um, so it was a bit of a shock, um, not something I had ever really imagined or considered it's funny though because I did actually always want twins I don't know when you're looking back now it's probably a crazy idea I know (laughs) I think everybody does until they have them (laughs) yes yeah I thought it would be nice to have twins the first time or second time around and um yeah now I know that that was a a crazy idea um but yes it's um it was a bit of a shock yeah and um yeah, but we, you know, we wouldn't change it for the world now, of course. And we love our family of, of four little kids. Um, in the moment, I think the scariest thing was, as a, as it is with any twin mum, how are we going to do this? You know, you find it's out really that hard because you're adjusting. Like, I, I mean, myself, I'm I just have the twins, but you're suddenly having to fit two new babies into a family of four. Yeah, is already busy. Life is so busy and crazy. But um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the boys were approaching three and five. So they weren't old, you know. And so in my head, I was going, how am I going to do this? How am I going to help to run a business with Hayley? And how am I going to have four little ones under, you know, five and under and and twins? And yeah. So as you can imagine, you know, with anyone finding out they're they're pregnant or pregnant with multiples, there was a lot of, um, a lot of thought and a lot of anxieties around, you know, how we're going to survive this and how we're going to do it. But and let um, me guess, your husband's first thought is, "Oh my gosh, we're going to have to get a bigger car." Yes, <laughs> yes. it always so is. <laughs> we we got a van because yeah. um, a van's really the only option when you um when you have four young children all in car seats. So uh, that was shock horror for him. Um, so aside from the twin news, it was the well, we need a van news. <laughs> 
long time to adjust to for him as well. But um, yeah, it was it was quite funny. Looking back, it was quite a funny uh, pregnancy getting ready for all of that. That's great. And um, how how was your pregnancy? How did you anything? Pregnancy, pregnancy was quite boring, which is a good great. thing. I love a boring um, twin pregnancy. Any multiple yeah. birth pregnancy that's boring, I think that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I was relatively boring. Um, unfortunately, I had all of my children prematurely for, for whatever reason. Uh, we don't really know, but I just seemed to labour prematurely. Um, so I guess that was the biggest concern, knowing that I had already had prem babies, that, you know, how far was I going to be able to take it with the twins? So I was really worried about that the whole way through. What gestation um, were they born at? I managed to get to 31 weeks, um, which, you know, even even though that is so early, I was happy that I got that far because my first came at 34 weeks. So, um, oh, wow. Yeah. So you're, you're I, I was no stranger happy. to the NICU journey and the special no. journey then. Mm. No stranger to that journey at all. So I guess that was my biggest worry. Um, managed to get to 31 relatively, you know, okay, um, you know, in the lead up to that. Obviously, as you probably remember, it's quite uncomfortable having two little babies growing in your side you, um, getting stuck under the ribs and all of those kind of discomforts that you have in addition to a, a singleton pregnancy. But um, mostly we were okay. Oh, that's fantastic. And did you notice um, many differences between being pregnant with twins after having two singletons? In terms of the pregnancy itself? Yeah. In terms of the pregnancy itself, no. Um, but, again, I, I I never really suffered with much morning sickness and things with the singletons, and I guess it was a very similar pregnancy in terms of the complications with trying to threaten, you know, preterm labour and everything, I had those with my singletons as well. So right. um, it kind of wasn't anything unfamiliar to me than what I'd already gone through. Um, so the, the pregnancies itself were very similar. The, the only difference really being is that there were two kicking me. Um, oh, gosh, yes. yeah. It was yeah, lovely at the time. You know, I look back fondly and-, and I wish... I wish there was some way you could record that feeling. I don't know. But, yeah. Because um, it really is so special to feel. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, two little lives in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so other it? than being more uncomfortable when sleeping, um, oh, I would yeah. say that the pregnancies across, when I compare the three pregnancies, they were very similar. Right. Okay. Um. Now, talk to us about how you became a sleep consultant because, Oh, my gosh, I think that's every multiple birth parent's direct. The biggest fear is you're never going to sleep again, okay? like Yeah. And yeah. to be a sleep consultant prior to having your multiples, I mean, like yeah. you're way up there already <laughs> in, in terms of knowledge and everything like that. Um, yeah. How did you get into it? Um, I guess it's a bit of a different story to many. Um, so my first boy he had a lot of medical uh, complications mostly to do with breathing um he was born prematurely but he was born with a, an array of different issues to do with his jaw and he had a um a submucous cleft palate and yeah. all sorts of kind of airway restrictions so the journey with him um as a first-time mum was 
very complicated. Um, I'm trying to learn how to be a mum. You know, I'm trying mm. to have a baby. I'm trying to learn the ropes of having a baby and what I need to do. But I've also got, you know, these full-on um, medical complications that I had with him at the time as well. So it was um, a very, yeah, very hard journey for me at the time um, because of his breathing issues there were obviously sleep challenges and because there were sleep challenges and breathing issues there were challenges with his development and him meeting milestones and speech and um, gross motor skills and all of that kind of stuff so the sleep it is all so important isn't it for yeah. I mean for the parents as well I, I know we're not <laughs> we're not talking about the parents here but for the children yeah. developmentally yeah. sleep is just so important yeah. So um, I really became, you know, fascinated about learning more about how I could help him and what we could do. And of course, we had to go through the medical side of things, you know, surgeries and everything as well. Um, but I just became fascinated by the topic of sleep and airway and quality of breath and everything. Mm-hmm. And then um, I, yeah, I just decided that I was, I was reading so much about everything that I decided to go and study it. And then I thought, well, why not just try and start up a business and actually do it and start helping people as well um so yeah I've been doing this for a little while now um yeah five years and Hayley and I joined um Slumber and Sprout we kind of merged together a few years ago now so we've been yeah a, a partnership for a few years and and that's that's the story as to yeah how it all kind of started that's brilliant. I mean, it's um, not brilliant that you had to go through what you went through to get to it, but um, it's nice that something that almost became a passion of yours, you are able to turn into a business and now you help so many families. Yeah, 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 and which I love. It, it's so nice yeah. to be able to, um, yeah, to help people through their journey as well because, as you know, as a mum, there's there's so much information everywhere. There's so many opinions. There's so much advice. There's so many websites you can go to and blogs you can read, and it all becomes a bit confusing and overwhelming for parents. So it's really nice to be able to help people. It's in a way that we believe, you know, is is just super simple and fluff-free and just realistic kind of solutions that really do help people get to where they want to be with their goals. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know sleep consultants existed when I was yeah. pregnant with my, oh, sorry, when my twins were little, you know, 11 years ago. I wish I had. Yeah. My biggest regret is that we didn't get a sleep consultant in. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I had terrible sleep journey. Um, yeah, yeah. The one thing I'm really passionate about is letting people know that these services are out here and yeah, there's no shame in asking for help if you're struggling with something. Ask for help. It's yeah, it's too hard to also be tired and too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I think now we we are so lucky that we do, and it's not just sleep related, but anything. You know, any any time there's an issue with anything, um, we are very lucky that there is help out there to 100%. to support us. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with you. We just need to use it if we're struggling yeah. with ourselves yeah. or with our children. We need to go and, and use the support that's available. Um, Definitely, that's why it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to dive into newborn sleep because I mean, as I've said earlier, the one of the biggest things that I think I speak for well, all parents across. Yeah, the world, but multiple birth yeah. parents, particularly, is oh my gosh, I'm never going to sleep again. Particularly for a yeah. first time parent, for um, sure. So, 
talk us through some of the the tools, the tips, the the science behind it. I don't know. Like you, you're yeah. the expert. Let's um, dive into this. Yeah, no, it's a it's a good topic to talk about. I think because um, you know, often when we're pregnant and we're planning to have our babies, we first time around especially, we usually don't really consider sleep that much until we get there and until we actually go, oh, like this isn't good, like nobody is sleeping, I'm exhausted, I don't know how to get the baby settled. And I feel like we still haven't changed a lot in terms of we're not learning a lot when we're pregnant and we're not given enough tools and information unless we actually go and search for it. Absolutely. You're um, so focused. Like for me, I was so focused on getting pregnant Yes, we yeah. had a really long IVF journey. Um, yeah. And then I was so focused on the pregnancy, but I didn't read anything about newborns really or anything. Yeah. I certainly didn't look into it and arm myself, pre-arm myself with any knowledge about sleep. Yeah. So it's like you almost get home and you go, God, what do I do? When am I supposed to go down? Like, how am I supposed to get them to sleep? Am I supposed to feed them? Am I supposed to do this? Like, what are they supposed to wear? Um, So, yeah, it's really confusing. So we're super passionate about newborn sleep. One, because we know how hard it is, especially the first time around when you're going into that, you're coming home and you're going in on really little information um but too just because if we can give people um you know access to information and tools that are really easy to implement that help you so much obviously you know that's what we want to do Mm. um so i always think it's a really good idea when you're when you're pregnant and you're planning to have your barbs um to actually have a bit of a plan for when you come home as a starting point a bit of a postpartum plan as to What's going to be really important to you when you get home and what can you do when you get home or what can someone else do to help you to make it as easy as possible? Because as you know, you know, bringing one baby home is full on, bringing two or three babies home is even more full on. So I think it's important, you know, to have some kind of plan as to if there is something that can ease any burden at all when you come home, what is that going to be? What does that look like for you? And what can you kind of work into the equation that's going to make life easier? And for some people that is, well, you know, we have $100 spare a week. I'm, I'm going to get a cleaner because I know that that would make my life a lot easier for me. And other people go, you know what, I'm going to spend a couple of months meal prepping or I'm going to, you know, have my mom or my auntie or someone help me to meal prep so I don't have to worry about cooking when I come home. Um, other people, you know, get a doula and things like that or a mother's hand. So I think it's just important to have, um, you know, some kind of plan of what can make it easier, if anything, and something little, whether it costs money or doesn't cost money, just something that either someone can help you with or that you can work into your budget to make life a little bit easier for you to come home. Because we know when we're trying to juggle, you know, cleaning and cooking and feeding the baby and settling the baby and trying to shower ourselves and sleep and everything else, (laughs) it can become really just too much. And there's only so many things that we can actually do. Um, So I definitely think that's really helpful. Um, also, it's, were you going to say something? Uh, yeah, I was just going to say um, all those tips, uh, I mean, we, I do try and explain to people sometimes what you just said, though, it, but it's having that plan that everyone is across. Yeah, yeah, was, which 
sometimes the plan is no good if it's just in your head. Yes, correct. Um, and that's why it can be really be helpful to talk to your partner about it and agree on something, whatever that looks like for your family, for your household, agree on what that might be. It could be that, um, you know, the mother-in-laws take turns in coming over and one comes over on a Tuesday and the other comes on a Friday. But if it's all scheduled and everyone knows about it, um, it makes it a lot easier because sometimes it's not easy reaching out for help and asking for help and if you've kind of pre-planned it, then you don't feel like you need to ask. And that in itself, you know, those worries that you may be having just as asking for help as well. Absolutely. Sometimes asking is the hardest part, isn't it? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think also, oh, sorry, go ahead. I'm just losing you there. In regards to um, newborn sleep, like, how much should they be sleeping? Newborns still sleep a lot. Um, and it, it does obviously vary, you know, from, from baby to baby. Um, but, you know, they can need up to 18 hours of sleep in a 24-hour period oh, um, when, when they first come home. <laughs> Which, yeah, it's a lot of sleep and they really do sleep around the clock. It is a cycle of, you know, feed, sleep, repeat, and they don't really do much else when they first come home. And then if you have multiples and, you know, there's obviously more of a chance that they're going to come early, they actually stay in that corrected age for quite some time. So with my twins that came nine weeks early, I felt like they were in this newborn cycle of sleeping and needing newborn amounts of sleep for four or five months. You know, it it just went on and on and on. Um, So, yes, they need around about 16 to 18 hours in a 24-hour period um, with with basically cycling through feeding and nappy changes and burping in between that. That's a lot of sleep. I'm quite jealous. It's a lot of sleep. It is a lot of sleep. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you know, Um, it doesn't mean to say that they're going to hit those totals every single day. There's going to be days that didn't go to plan or were more fussy than the other or it was harder to get your bubs down. Um, But on an average, when you look at it, that's around about the amount of sleep on a daily basis. The biggest thing I had trouble with was um, particularly to start, you know, first time mum, no idea what I was doing, um, still don't, um, is actually recognising when they were tired yeah. Yeah. So with newborn babies, you know, um, they need to sleep kind of every 45 to 60 minutes. We're talking about your, you know, your zero to one month old bubs there. Um, but around about 45 to 60 minutes, which isn't a lot of time, you have to literally feed them, burp them, make sure they've got a fresh nappy and then get them settled, you know, you might have some cuddles or whatever, but there really is little time to play or anything at that age, and then they need to go to sleep again. Um, and some really telling signs with your newborns as to when they're ready to sleep is your classic kind of pink eyebrows. So the top of your eyebrows start to get a little bit pink. Um, they might start really staring or zoning out. That's another telling sign that they're ready to go to sleep. Losing interest, becoming a bit fussy. 
Um, they're all kind of signs. If you're heading towards the 45 to 60 minute mark and you're seeing those things, you know that your baby or babies are ready to go to sleep again. Mm. Uh, my daughter had a really weird tide sign. She used to get the hiccups. Interesting. Yeah, I've heard of it. I have heard of it. It's definitely not the most common. No, it was um, just her, but um, she does it now still. She's 11. Yeah. Yeah. And she hiccups lots. And I'm like, are you tired? Like, and she's like, yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> and then she'll get the hiccups just before we go to bed. And I'm like, oh, now you can't sleep because you've got the hiccups. Because you've got the hiccups. Yeah. Oh, Interesting. Yeah, I know. It's weird that it still happens, but yeah. Yeah. So I know for me, um, again, that whole schedule of, that um of of knowing those awake windows mm -hmm. was really important for me to help me sort of plan mm -hmm. around my day and things like that um when do they start pushing out a bit more from that 45 to 60 minutes so you said that's under the one month um yeah so every every month they get older their awake windows grow with bub you know essentially so when you head into that two-month kind of um, age bracket, you, they might be able to handle being awake for up to 75 minutes. Once they're three months of age, it could be up to 90 minutes. Four months, it goes a little bit higher and so on. So literally every month your baby's getting older, they can handle a little bit more time being awake. And then you do have some more time to... Um, you know, have a little bit of playtime with them and engage with them more and have visitors over that can actually enjoy baby being awake and things like that. Um, and also what tends to happen, you know, as they be become a bit older, two, three, four months and so on, they don't take as long to feed anymore either. They're starting to wake up a little bit more. Um, they're not as so, so sleepy as when you first bring them home. So you definitely do notice those changes that they can handle a little bit more awake time and they're actually a little bit more awake themselves as well. You do notice that every kind of month or so. With um, the awake time, you were saying before, um when they're that young and you don't have much of a, you know, the so-called play window, mm. um, is things like just changing the nappy and things like that, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah, that's literally um, sometimes your awake window can just be feeding and a nappy change and a burp and a cuddle and then they're back asleep again and it really doesn't involve much at all. Mm. Okay. And now what about, um, I, I just, I'm thinking of Nikki and she'll be devastated she couldn't make this because um, she's just as passionate about sleep. Her babies were really colicky. Mm -hmm. um, and now I was lucky. We, we, we dodged that bullet, um, but she, she got yeah. it fair and square with both of hers. Um, yeah. Have you got any tips for, you know, first time parents, particularly who have no idea what this, dreaded word yeah. means that um yeah it's really hard um one of my twins out of all four children I only had one that really had you know true colic and that was Grace um twin one and it obviously it wasn't good for me to see it because it was very difficult at the time but good for me to experience it because I can actually understand what my clients have gone through or are going through when I'm trying to help them through um, colic as well. So um, I do have firsthand experience with going through it. Now, 
sometimes you do everything right and they're just unsettled and they're just mm. going to cry and you feel like you've done everything possible to try and get them more settled um, but there's just nothing you can do other than obviously, you know, support them and hold them and, and be there for them, you know, until they do eventually settle. Mm. Other times, though, there's things that um, foundationally are kind of working against the colic and making those colic symptoms more heightened, and that's when babies are becoming a bit too overstimulated during the day, potentially have been awake a little bit too long throughout the day, they're becoming more overtired, um, maybe they're struggling with wind and they're not quite getting the, you know, the wind up efficiently. So they're a bit more gassy and irritable, too much light stimulation and that kind of stuff. So there's definitely things that we can try to do to have a colicky baby um, more settled. Um, there's a lot to be said about, you know, the, especially prem babies that come into the world as well. They can tend to be more colicky and it, it's really that immature digestive system that's um, kind of feeding into that as well. So things like seeing an osteopath just to help kind of balance everything out in their body, um, introducing something like a probiotic to help with their gut and, and maturing the gut and helping with wind and things like that can be helpful as well. Um, but it can be very, very tricky. Now, when your babies are really unsettled, especially at the end of the day, because that seems to be really classic with newborns, as we approach sundown, they can become even more fussy, more unsettled, lots of crying. Things like getting outside in the carrier, just getting out, trying to not spend all of your time settling them in the nursery, especially if they are really upset and you're getting really stressed out, then we suggest, you know, get outside, put Bub in the carrier, see if you can go and calm them, you know, with some sunlight, some fresh air and so on. Um, that can definitely help too. That helps the parents' state of mind as well, I find. Exactly, exactly. Because when you've been trying to settle an unsettled baby, for a long period of time and all they're doing is crying, it's it's very upsetting to the parent. Um, you feel helpless. So, yeah, sometimes the only thing you can do is just take a moment to breathe, mm. obviously make sure Bub is safe and, safe. you know, with and, you, yeah. but try and also look after your own state of mind at the same time. Yeah. At what age, um, I mean, sleep training is, is not really the word that I'm looking for here, but at what age can you sort of start to try and get into some kind of routine? Routines can be, they can be done from the very beginning. So I, I don't mean routines as, as so much as sleeping routines because we're all about, you know, your baby is going to, sleep for different times at different times of the day. Sometimes they'll have a longer nap, sometimes they'll have a shorter nap. So we really are about awake windows, not about trying to um, schedule sleep times with start and finish times as such. But in terms of routines with helping your, your newborns to regulate their body clock, to have a more predictable night and day patterns to actually understand the difference between night and day. There are things that you can do from the very beginning to help with that. It can be as simple as getting up in the morning and starting your day, you know, by 7.30 to, to really kind of um, have a strong morning ritual. You know, it is now the morning we're all going to get up. 
getting out and having a little bit of sunlight exposure in the morning can really be helpful as well to help your baby start to learn that they that daytime is different from nighttime. Um, you can also establish a bedtime routine from the very beginning or when you feel ready. You know, you don't have to feel pressured to do any of this stuff straight away. But when you're feeling more confident, having a, you know, a really small bedtime routine can be helpful for your baby to settle them off to sleep, to start to have those little triggers that, ah, oh, I know when I have a bath, that means, you know, it must be nighttime, that it must be time for me to go to bed soon. So you can do lots of little things like that from the very, very beginning, um, which does help over time with um, having some more predictable feeding and nap patterns and night sleep patterns and so on. I think, um, yeah, because I, I think particularly with multiples when you're trying to deal with more than one baby at the same time to get them to sleep, um, yeah. you kind of need to have that kind of anything that helps. So yeah. developing that yeah. sort of sleep association um, is definitely a, a, a hot tip for any expectant parents listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. And having the room conducive to sleeping is really helpful as well for your newborns to keep them as settled as possible especially when you're working with multiples, you know, you can only hold on to so many babies and you can only try and get, you know, your baby to sleep so many times before it becomes really full on. So just doing those really small things like having your bedtime routine, focusing on those awake windows, having your room conducive to sleeping is going to help your baby to settle off to sleep easier than if we aren't focusing on those things. And when I talk about a, a conducive sleep environment, I'm talking about have the white noise on. Um, so when your, your baby is in your womb, they are used to a very noisy environment. They're used to the sound of your heartbeat. They're used to listening to the, the blood rush through your mm -hmm. body. It is noisy like a vacuum cleaner into a nursery room that's completely quiet. They're already going to be unsettled because it isn't familiar to them. It isn't like it was when they were in your tummy. So having it noisy with some white noise, um, no louder than the, than the sound of kind of a running shower is what we advise. Um, having them swaddled snugly can be really helpful as well so that they're not going to startle themselves with their startle reflex, but also because they're used to being snug when they're in your tummy as well. That's also helpful. Mm -hmm. um, also having the room dark and warm, remembering they're in your womb, it's dark in there. So they're not used to lots of light and lots of artificial light and people whizzing on past and devices in their face. They are used to a dark, warm, snug, noisy mm -hmm. kind of space. So if we can replicate that earth side, that is going to help them to be more settled um, just like they were when they were womb side. You don't realise just how noisy it is until you hear that. And I was just thinking, you know, and my tummy did a little grumble because it's coming up to lunchtime <laughs> at the moment. And I thought, oh, I wonder what that would have sounded like inside my tummy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's fascinating to think about, isn't it? Because, it is, um, definitely. I remember when I had my first son, the, I didn't think about white noise straight away. Right. I just came home and, you know, popped him in the bassinet in a bright, quiet yeah, room. Absolutely. And didn't know any better. No. Um, 
Yeah, so, but if we can keep it like as though they are in the tummy, that is definitely going to help them to be more secure and settled or feel more secure and settled. Thank you so much, Katie. That's been really interesting. And I know that you share an awful lot of tips on your social media. Where can our listeners find you to follow along and get lots of those really juicy tips? Yeah, so we have, so Instagram's our best place because it's just a little easier to kind of navigate and find all the tips through our um, images and everything on there. So Slumber and Sprout is the Instagram handle. So definitely go on there and follow along. Uh, We've got a great blog page. We're really active in our blogs. um, So that's also a great place to be. And we've also got a free resources section on our website as well with um, a free course for around the four-month regression stage and some other free resources that are available to parents too. Oh, that's fantastic. I have, I've had a good look through your website. You certainly do have a good, uh, excellent tips on your blog and everything like that. I wish I'd had read that when mine were younger. Um, <laughs> you, me too. <laughs> yeah, I know, isn't it? Hindsight's such a wonderful thing. Yes. Um, yeah. But yeah. And obviously, if things get really tough, people can reach out to you and, and work with you guys. They can. So we do work with newborns um, through to five years of age or a little bit older. We, we, we don't go on like a self-settling journey with our newborn babies. That's not what it's about. But we also do want our new parents to sleep and their newborn babies to be as settled as realistically possible. So we do have our newborn program and we do also have our slumber school forum via our app where people can just ask questions on the go whenever they need to. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. A sleep consultant at your fingertips. I like that. (laughs) That is it. Yes. (laughs) Well, Katie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for sharing your story and um, your journey into being a multiple birth parent and then how you have um, built up such a successful business at Slumber and Sprout. Thanks, Naomi. Thanks so much for having me. It's Talking Twins and More with Nix and Naomi. Thanks to twinfo.com.au and doublebub.com.au.